You're listening to Alleycast, a deep dive into innovative and emerging trends in e-commerce, online payments, and digital entertainment. Brought to you by Alibaba Group, we'll offer insights about Chinese consumers and brands doing business in China. We'll delve into global online retail, cloud computing, big data, and other must-know topics and issues in and around one of China's largest companies. I'm Adam Najberg. Bruno Lanis is a senior partner at Bain and Company's Shanghai office. He leads the firm's consumer products and retail practices in China, and is co-author of the first joint research report by Bain and Company and Tmall Luxury Pavilion. It's titled "China Luxury Report 2020: New Growth for China's Luxury Goods Market." He joins us today on Alleycast. Welcome, Bruno. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Bruno, let's get to it. I want to ask you: Luxury has been a bright spot globally in what's been a fairly miserable year, and luxury has done especially well in China. Your study foresees China's share of the global luxury market will have nearly doubled this year, climbing about fifty percent to around three hundred forty-six billion yuan. What do you see in terms of consumer confidence and luxury consumption in China now? Does the bounce back in retailer signal to you that it could or will happen somewhere else in the world, or is this just one of these China is bigger or China is unique things? Well, we should we should start by looking at the global、uh, situation, and as you pointed out,、uh, the global situation for luxury is actually not that great.、Uh, we estimated, Bain estimated that.、Um, The, the luxury sector will decline by 23% globally、uh, in in 2020 versus 2019, and so that's a very sharp decline, 23%. And、uh, on the contrary, you need to look at the, the China performance, mainland China performance, which sees a growth of nearly 50%, as you mentioned. So, very contrasted view, and、um, you could see there、uh, one, of course, the effect of COVID and.、Uh, And the fact that many of the countries where luxury is on sale、uh, have been under lockdown, and so therefore difficult for consumers just to go shopping, and、um, and that has been the driver. And of course, China has been recovering much faster than the other countries, and that has in part driven the growth of the、uh, of the China market for luxury. But as you know as well,、uh, in previous years. Uh, up to 2019, according to our estimates,、uh, Chinese mainland Chinese were buying mostly luxury outside China. We estimated in 2019, it was one third in China, two third outside mainland, and、uh, and of course that trend has completely reversed in 2020 because people could not travel, and so one of the driver of the growth in China has been what we call in the report repatriation. Which is the fact that Chinese consumers' inability to travel abroad has led them to buy the luxury product that they wanted to buy in the country, in the mainland.、Uh, just on that topic, after COVID, when things are more normal again, sometime next year, let's say, will we see that that was just a bulge that the online was? Satisfying the ability or the inability to travel somewhere else to do the shopping, will it kind of even out, or are we now looking at sort of a higher base? Two points, maybe to to answer your question. One is we should、um, we should also reflect on the point that in 2020, Chinese people actually bought less luxury 
globally than, than they did in 2019. So they bought more in China, but the increase in China has not been able to compensate for the decline of their purchases in the rest of the world. And so, so Chinese this year has actually spent less on luxury than uh, other nationalities, for example. And so that's, uh, that's one aspect. And so as the world goes back to normal, we estimate, as you know, that it's not likely to be in 2021, more likely to be in 2022, when Chinese people feel more comfortable traveling. Then, of course, we'll see a rebalancing of, um, you know, whatever is purchased in China versus whatever is purchased outside China by Chinese. Having said this, I think the experience of 2020, 2021 will have some long-term effect, and we don't expect this proportion of one-third in China, two-third out China, China uh, to continue. We, in, in our forecast, we expect that uh, ultimately Chinese will buy more than 50% of their luxury products in China, in the mainland, uh, compared to outside China, which of course is much higher than the uh, one-third that they have done in 2019. And I think this is the result of uh, many things, but in particular, the result of the experience of buying in China and, and finding the experience quite enjoyable, um, but also the development of uh, domestic duty-free with Hainan Island, which has been, of course, a very bright spot for luxury this year. And, uh, and we expect there's going to be more uh, of those domestic licenses to be granted and therefore more opportunities to buy duty-free in the country. And so that's going to drive repatriation even more. I understand we're seeing the acceleration of the importance of, of the online channel inside China, as well as offline channels in China for luxury. But on the brand side of things, how are they adapting themselves to succeed there? We have changes in consumer habits and expectations that just kind of you flip a switch and it changes overnight. Is that true in luxury too? And what are some of the behavioral changes we're seeing that's happening among luxury consumers in China as their business and experience moves more online? Because we have been able to work with the Timur Pavilion this year, and we have had access to uh, some consumer data and, and, and consumer behavior information from Timor Luxury Pavilion. And what is interesting is to look at, uh, to answer your question, to look at uh, uh, who are the consumers and, and what they do. And, uh, and of course, uh, Timor is a great source of information for this. And, and in particular, when you think about Gen Z uh, and when you think about millennials, and, and as you know, in China, the, the, the driver, one of the driver, and we underline this in the report, the, one of the driver is uh, the Gen Z and, and the millennials, uh, the driver of luxury spending. And the average age of consumer, of purchasers of luxury in China is much younger than, uh, than the average age of uh, luxury purchasers in the US or in Europe, for example. And this is driven by, by Gen Z and millennials. And, and where do Gen Z and millennials spend their time? Well, they spend their time online and you know, Tmall and, and, and other platforms, of course. And so um, for brands, to answer your questions, for brands, if you want to address your consumers and especially the young consumers, which is the core of the, uh, of the luxury purchases again in China, then you have to be online. You have to have your marketing and communication and content and channels, um, you know, moving gradually online. And, and um, you could say and see that over time, brands have uh, invested a lot more in, uh, in, let's say, digital marketing 
uh, and so the engagement, their strategy of engagement, their, their strategy of um, you know making content available to Chinese consumers has been more and more online. And today, luxury brands will tell you that more than 50, 60 percent of their marketing budget has shifted online. And so that's one aspect because that's where uh, the uh, consumers are, uh, and and so that's where they expect to be contacted and connected with the brands. And so. Luxury are no exceptions. What is true for consumer goods is also true for luxury. They have to be online as well to engage with consumers because that's where the consumers are. Now, if you think of, of channel, um, that has been a bit slower. Uh, you know, if I say, let's say 60% of marketing spend today is on digital uh, across different platforms and channels, but only as you see in the report, you know, a, a bit more than 20% of luxury purchases have been online. So there is, of course, a gap between you know digital as a channel versus digital as as a marketing vehicle or marketing platform and uh, and we really gradually that of course uh, because that's what consumers expect to do uh, they will have more and more opportunities to buy luxury products online and and of course 2020 has seen a, a, a huge jump uh, we estimated it was only 12 to 13 percent online in 2019 and it's 23 percent in 2020 so just 10 points of increase in penetration in just one year uh, which is of course quite spectacular if we had been having this conversation three years ago it, it would have been very very different i i expect that was around the time the tmall luxury pavilion launched many of the top brands were very skeptical or wary of joining or even about moving online Today, it's, it's very different. We have over 200 brands on the pavilion. I get that the concern was about diluting brand equity or downgrading the exclusive experience that you tie to luxury brands. But let me ask you, why did it work? What's changed in the market or in the mindset? Was it purely necessity or was it something else? I think it's very simply uh, the fact that that's where consumers are. And, and if you know brands, again, FMCG brands, uh, I've done that a long time ago, and, and luxury brands have to do that as well. And I think they they realized that this was a necessity to really be uh, connected to the consumers, and especially the target consumers for luxury, which is again Gen Z and millennials. And so you need to be uh, you need to be online. And then the question is where, or do you do your brand.cn, or uh, or do you do you know, Timol Pavilion, or do you do other alternatives? And I think what has happened over the last three years is the uh, what brands have realized that doing brand.cn is actually tough. Uh, it's actually a hard uh, job to do. Uh, you, re- you need capabilities to be able to satisfy consumers because consumers' expectations when they go online are, in many ways have actually been dictated and formatted by their experience on Timor and of course other platforms as well. And uh, But that's the expectation they have when they go online. And, and if the brand.cm is not able to deliver that experience, then of course they get frustrated and they are not very happy with, with that experience. And so so it's not like it's easy to become a, you know, a, a digital player uh, overnight when you don't have the expertise and, and the experience to do that. So I think that's that's one aspect. The other aspect, of course, has been I would say the simplification of the um, of the uh, platforms environment. You know, three years ago when when the pavilion was launched, there were other alternatives of uh, multi-brand online platforms available. Now, you know, three years later, essentially, you know, one can say that there is only one left, which is the Timor Pavilion. Of course, there are different form 
of, um, of uh, access, you could have your flagship store or you can go to Farfetch now uh, or you can go to May.com. So there are different ways you can engage with, with the brands, but there is a single platform that allows you to do that, which is the pavilion. And so that was also helping, I think, uh, consumers and brands to have a, a simple life and, 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 uh, and, and uh, I guess a simple question about, uh, you know, how to go online. Uh, because essentially there is only truly one multi-brand platform that is left. I mean, what you're talking about is is how platforms have made it easier to to appeal to consumers and drive growth. It's been good for brands. Your report, going back to the number that you mentioned earlier, the online share of the luxury market has doubled. You know, it's up to 23% from last year. Still a lot of room to grow. And on that note, around 40% of the people responding to your survey said they'll do even more luxury shopping online in the future. If you're a brand, what does that signal to you? It signals that the uh, you know this is a this is a trend that is not going to stop. It's a trend that is going to continue. We see that you know we we published a couple of weeks ago our uh, shopper report, which is look which looks at the FMCG categories, and we see that uh, you know development of online channels also accelerating uh, in in 2020, of course, because of COVID, but also. What, there was a general trend of acceleration across categories. And so um, luxury is, again, one of those categories. That and, and I think consumers feel a lot more comfortable buying uh, luxury online. They feel uh, comfortable with, of course, the, um, the fact that they get genuine products. They feel comfortable by the fact that it's, the, the service, uh, the experience will be great. And so, you know, they, they, it becomes second nature for them, just like they do for other categories to do that as well for luxury. And so we expect, of course, a big, uh, a big growth of online channel development uh, for luxury. But, you know, as discussed, there will be multiple forms to do that. And we can talk about, uh, of course, the, the, the flagship stores, which is the main, uh, you know, the main way of doing that on, 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 on Tmall. But there are other ways, of course, that are available. And, and I think that will be the, the breadth of this offering of online platforms will actually generate even more uh, attraction, I think, for the consumers. I mean, of course, Gen Z shoppers, besides wanting this great experience, this exclusive experience online, they're also very focused on sustainability. I wanted to ask you, where does sustainability fall with these luxury brands? How, how do they address sustainability? It's becoming, as you know, it's becoming a, a global priority for these brands. And so, so China is no exception. And um, but it, it's coming from from the top. It's coming from their headquarters in in Europe or or, or elsewhere. And um, and this has become developing a brand with a purpose. Um, it's great to have a purpose which is uh, which is uh, you know quality quality of fabric, quality of material, handcraft, uh, handmade, etc. And and an exclusive environment in which you can sell those products, which is a broad definition of what luxury is. But, uh, but at the same time, I think consumers are now looking for what is the purpose of that brand? What is the purpose and, and, and to what extent this is contributing to, the, to a better planet? Or, or, and and so, uh, so I think these questions have become a lot more prevalent in the minds of consumers in China, just like anywhere else in the world. And therefore, brands have engaged into uh, programs to explain to consumers how you know what they are doing in this respect, and uh, and and why you know they, they should they should trust this brand and, and buy these brands, and so that's a trend. That's a long-term trend. 
which is defining not just luxury again, but but every category that I work with, that we work with, has this has to have that purpose, and that purpose has to be visible to consumers. You talked earlier about how things have just become more simple on the platforms. A lot of that has to do with integration of different technologies. What digital technologies are really mattering to brands these days? I know you can't talk about China e-commerce without mentioning live streaming. So I'm, I'm happy to hear about that. But what else? Are we seeing things like 3D or virtual reality or augmented reality, omni-channel experience and all of that catching on? Or is it still just a, a one-horse race? I, of course, I think a new development this year and, and uh, of course, Double Eleven just happened uh, and we have seen luxury brands using live streamings, not so much as a, uh, as it was actually used live streaming in a different way. It was used live streaming as a brand building way. So it was not so much about promotions or uh, having a, having a good deal through live streaming. It was more introducing the brand, introducing the, the content of the brand and engaging with consumers on, on, and, and building brand equity, which I think was a, an interesting development on live streaming and, and an unusual one, given you know what has been going on on live streaming in general and what consumers expect. And, and, and it worked very well for the brands that have used this this year. So I think that's going to continue. And, and I think we, thanks to that, we, we will see a different use of live streaming, which I think is interesting. And consumers have reacted very positively again to that development. I think the other one I, was, I would mention which we see a lot, and I think brands are are uh, working a lot in that area as well, is more online to offline. I think uh, this notion of consumer journey and uh, providing with the consumers with the best experience, regardless of where they shop and how they shop, but also recognizing that consumers spend a lot of time online, but then end up doing their purchases offline or or, or vice versa, and, and being educated by the content that they see online. But ultimately, it's, it's one experience. And so uh, I believe the development of online to offline, O2O, and you know, when you see pop-up stores, for example, and the, uh, uh, that brands have been creating this year and, and starting even a couple of years ago, and combining this with an online you know, way of, of showcasing what, whatever happens to in that pop-up store for a few days, I think that's a development that, we, uh, that we're going to see more of because that's the way, again, Chinese consumers are looking at the experience of shopping in general, which has an online component and an offline component, and, and those are interchangeable. And so I think we would expect a lot of development in that area as well. You talked about really only seeing global recovery in 2022, perhaps, but in China, what do you expect Chinese consumers to be spending on next year in 2021? In the report, as you have read, we, we make a forecast that the market, the luxury market, will continue to be very, very well oriented. I think we estimate the growth for next year to be around 30% on the back of nearly 50% this year, mostly driven by the same drivers that we have mentioned in the report. So one is, of course, repatriation, because we don't think that uh, a lot of Chinese people will travel next year, 2021, and that may restart only in 2022. And in the meantime, of course, domestic travel retail will will expand even more. And so that's going to create an alternative for Chinese shoppers to stay here and shop duty-free without having to go abroad for that. We're going to see, of course, the same driver around millennials and Gen Z, the same drivers around digitalization and having a very, very convenient experience, uh, enjoyable experience online. 
and and of course all of this will contribute to a very positive orientation for the market next year i think where we're going to see maybe some rebalancing between spending in china versus spending outside china is start is going to start in 2022-2023 we expect as you know that ultimately as i mentioned at the beginning of our discussion that chinese will spend ultimately by 2025 more than 50% of their luxury purchases domestically and so that's that's a big of course opportunity for everyone working in the luxury sector in china the you know the shopping mall the platforms the brands of course and and the agencies that work for those brands because that's going to be a, a fast growing market bruno thank you so much for spending the time and educating us really appreciate it thank you very much for having me i enjoyed our conversation thank you